studying for a mission. Getting softer. Every minute I stay in this room, I get weaker. And every minute Charlie squats in the bush, he gets stronger. Each time I looked around, the walls moved in a little tighter. And that more or less describes how I think uh, both Tim and I feel as we are recording this remotely. Tim, how's it going over there, all the way over there in Pasadena? Well, it's actually, everything's fine. It's, 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 it's the truth. Everything's absolutely fine. Everybody here is well and healthy. Uh, I am not hating not driving around in L.A. traffic. You know, we did the uh, broadcast radio show Film Week uh, this way, too, uh, um, on th this past Friday. Yeah. So all the film critics... Uh, we're at their homes or wherever the hell they were. I was at my home. Uh, and Larry Mantle, the host of the show, was in studio. Even the producer of the show, Matt, uh, D'Angelo Antonio, was, was, was home producing the show from home. I don't know. I guess with some really fancy computer or whatever. Crazy. Um, so this is a thing that apparently can be done. <laughs> I don't think we want to do it this way for too long, but, uh, nah. yeah. It's not nearly as much fun. Yeah. Well, anyway, of course, uh, I'm sure everybody listening to us at this point, wherever you are in the United States or in the world, we have uh, obviously international listeners. I'm sure you're all uh, social distancing. That's like hang that's the hanging chad of the new of the new century, isn't it? <laughs> it's the uh, it's a term we never would have expected ourselves to be using on such a regular basis. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is had you before this had you asked me what social distancing meant, I would have thought it meant the exact opposite. You want to get real close to somebody in that social distancing, right? <laughs> <laughs> you want to get real social. <laughs> nope, uh, apparently I was wrong. Yeah. So it is, but uh, you know, we uh, this podcast has has gone through thick and thin with a lot of things. Uh, we've weathered brush fires, and uh, and even you know, a lot of people may not even realize this, but you know, there was a uh, there were a, a couple of weeks back, way way back, more than a decade ago, where uh, I was not on the show for for a bit. Uh, you and Mark uh, held the fort down after my mother passed away, yes, and that's yes. not something that that uh, I, I have talked about before. But you know, we have. We've managed to get this damn show produced under unbelievably uh, adverse conditions. Uh, the only time we ever take off is when we, we, we have a holiday. Yeah. We do not cancel for crises or, or natural disasters. No, 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 no. We only cancel when the hero needs to go to Disneyland. <laughs> That's it. Then we cancel this damn thing. Let's get that kid to Disneyland. Man. That's it. That's it. <laughs> well, now now more than ever, frankly, we, we've got to be recommending stuff for people to do at home because uh, movie theaters are all shut down. And, uh, and you know, the first question I, I would have for you, because you and I have both been asked about this, and I don't think we've, we've actually coordinated our, our answers in any degree, but what is this going to do to the business? I mean, last week is literally, we witnessed history. Last week was the first time ever... Since the beginning of theatrical motion pictures more than a century ago, mm. that the box office was zero. Yeah. That's the first time ever. That has never happened before. What is going to happen? AMC Theaters is, is you know, screaming and saying, we're, we're going to go bankrupt and uh, we need some help. And, and everybody's saying, like, yeah, you and the airlines and, uh, and, and everybody else. But 
Um, what's this going to do to the business, do you think? Well, look, I, I think that the uh, the old adage will remain true. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, those you know, of us who, you know, in, in, in the last few years, uh, I mean, I don't know, maybe even a decade, have gotten used to watching our 67, 80, 90-inch televisions yep. and, and waiting for that thing. Well, perhaps uh, think to ourselves, you know what, that room, that big screen, that big silver screen, all those people, that's the thing that I would like to experience again. I hope that it doesn't just um, uh, hew toward big, big films. You know, the big, what got canceled, it was really big, it was supposed to come out. I think, um, oh, I think that uh, that Vin Diesel film yeah. might have had an opening weekend yeah. before it had to go away. Um, uh, and, you know, so I hope it won't just accrue to those films. I hope that we'll start to think about cinema again, no matter what the nature of the film, yeah. as a um, shared experience. I agree. And I think they're obviously already talking about how they're going to adjust Oscar qualification rules this year. I think any film that was scheduled for a theatrical release will still be eligible. I don't think uh, it's going to be that hard to figure it out. Everybody kind of knew what was what was in the offing this year. And we'll see what this does to film festivals. Cannes is postponed until a later date. They just postponed mm -hmm. the, um, the Summer Olympics to next year. Uh, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to sit around and speculate. I, 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 I'm off of social media for the most part, apart from publicizing this show, because it's like a Dunning-Kruger experiment <laughs> gone completely wrong. Like every, I, I, you know, I've got, you know, hundreds, several, probably close to, I don't know, six, seven, eight hundred friends on Facebook. And suddenly every single one of them is an epidemiologist and an economist. It's incredible. <laughs> like every single last one of them is, is now an expert in epidemiology and economics overnight. It's unbelievable. I've never seen mm. such a thing. It uh, is fascinating. It's it? just, yeah. it's ridiculous. It's just, just calm down, people. Seriously, just <laughs> calm down it'll get by we'll all get past this um you know i'm not going to get into to, to any any armchair epidemiology i'm just going to say look it's not wiping out the the earth there are literally and it's a tragedy but there are only like fifteen thousand people who have who are died and most people recover and most 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 people don't even get the damn thing they don't even show show symptoms so you know there are literally uh, like a billion people walking around probably with it who don't even know and that's okay we're going to get past it. We all get viruses every year. We just don't brand them and name them. So we'll get over it. So And, and, and science. Yeah. You got, this is the moment for science. God, oh, I love is. science. Science is fantastic. Now, in my life, I have been, and I was just thinking about this the other day. It's funny how you don't, uh, you know, you don't sort of put these things together. You know, you and I have both been on the planet for a minute now. Yeah. Uh, so, so, so in my life, I've experienced, well, uh, three impeachments, I suppose we might call those. <laughs> <laughs> That's, but I got three of those under my belt. Yeah. Uh, I've been present for two, uh, volcanoes. Uh, I was in wow. the Philippines when that blew. I was, I was in North Washington State when, when Mount St. Helen went away. Wow. Uh, when I was in the Air Force, when I was in the Air Force. Growing up in the Midwest, of course, uh, tornadoes. Yeah. Uh, were every 20 minutes in the springtime, right yeah. about this time of year is when the tornadoes would start. They were a regular sort of thing that we lived with. And, of course, after moving here to Los Angeles, uh, where we missed the 89 quake, but we were here for that 94. Was it, was it 94? I've been here for, I've, I, you know, I was five years old when the Silmar quake hit. I have been here for every earthquake in, uh, in Southern California's uh, fairly recent history. Uh, and, and then, of course, there are the, uh, the, uh, all of the wildfires oh, yeah. uh, of the past where, frankly, I've, 30 years, if you I've want to really those. 
start counting thirty you, years worth of wildfires, right? You, you've been you've been shot at in combat. I can't even. I've been say shot. That. At, I've been shot at and shot in combat. So all of this is kind of funny to me. You know, like, really? This uh, is an emergency. Our very very good friend Nadim George, who has co-hosted this show on on uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, Nadim is Egyptian, grew up all over Africa. His dad was a UN diplomat. And uh, so, you know, he's he's he went to you know boarding school in Madagascar, and he he's uh, he's you know chased wildebeests in in you know Ivory Coast and everywhere else. I mean, he's you know he's lived in like five or six different uh, countries in Africa. So he has seen tropical diseases, and he has seen monsoons, and uh, and I was asking him, I was like, how do you feel? He's like, oh, dude, I grew up in Africa. Shut up. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. <laughs> it's like. Uh. You you wimpy Westerners, just stop it. You know, unless you... you've actually seen a lion attack, this yeah, this is all like so. You know, but hey, look, I don't want to make fun of people. Um, um, no. Yes, engage in all of the this, that, and the other thing. There's different states, all of that, but you know, yeah. mostly me. And, and unless I see a lion coming out of the bush, I'm not going to get too worried. Well, I'm not. You know, I was I was down at Whole Foods this morning, uh, hugging people and French kissing everybody, and it was it was a good old time. <laughs> uh, licking, licking the carts on the handles. I was, I was really, uh, I was, I was living large. So, well, let's let's just get into it. I'm gonna, you know, uh, I'll tell you something that's really good to binge. Anime. I'm gonna yeah. start off with anime because I know it bores a lot of people, but who cares? Um, there's, uh, there's, there, there's a whole ton of anime out, and man, you could just go to town on this stuff. By the way, before I get into it. What have you been binging on? Because I've got all the DVDs here. I can't really get them over to you. You know, you can you can do some. I gave you a rundown, and you were able to do a little bit of research on some of the yeah. stuff. But but what have you been binging? Have you been watching anything in particular? Well, you know, I picked up uh, I picked up because you know on Friday on the show on the live show. You're right. We we were not talking about you know new released movies because there aren't any. So we had to prepare to talk about all the films that otherwise push their release um, to um, uh, um, you know, to streaming. Yeah. Uh, and, and and we also talked about some. Some some great series uh, or some series that I think are interesting anyway. Now you know I'm a big old Lost in Space fan. Oh, you and uh, I both. You know I went back and knocked off the whole second season of that again um, uh, because I'm just nuts about Lost in Space. It's There's, so good. It's it's just fantastic. You know Taylor Russell on the show. They they completely sort of reconceived. It's, this is not your grandfather's Lost in Space. No no no. Let's just put it like that. Uh, which that makes that that makes me a grandfather. Let's not put it like that. Uh, let's put yeah. it a different way. It's not it's not your youthful. Yeah. Lost in Space. This is a this is a um, this is a uh, sort of dramatic fam- family drama with good solid science, a lot of good solid science in it, and 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 Maureen is yeah. in charge of this expedition yep. <laughs> into space. She's yeah. not just you know back there cooking and making cookies and stuff. Yep. And frankly, all of the the young women in this series are sort of like the heart of the series. Yet you still have all of those elements: young Will Robinson and the robots. You yeah. got robots. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I just love the hell out of me some Lost in Space. I do too. And and you know you know what drops on Netflix this Friday right after Film Week, man. I'm on I'm on Film Week this Friday, so I'm going to be doing this for Film Week. It's going to be weird, but you said it worked out, so that'll be fine. Um, the uh, you, they the third season they got it done, I guess, in time. The third season of Ozark drops, and I'm going to tell you. Oh yes, 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 yes. I'll tell you right now. That is going to be a godsend because everybody who is cooped up and anxious and afraid is going to watch Ozark and they are going to be so incredibly depressed afterwards that everything coronavirus will feel like a bright new day. 
<laughs> it's just it's, it's it that's that's the what you do. It's like if you want your feet to feel really good, wear some really tight shoes that are just incredibly painful, and then when you take them off, everything's great again. So that's what Ozark is going to do for the world. That show is so depressing that as soon as it ends, everything is great. It's going to be the best thing ever. People are going to be shocked. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm going to I'm going to dive into uh, some of the anime here. We're going to start off with the Funimation stuff, including SSSS dot Gridman, the complete series. Um, this is a this is a really interesting show. I, uh, I that I've never really delved into some, to any degree before. Beautifully, beautifully animated and designed for a show that's basically kind of in the mecha vein of uh, of Ultraman and and all things Transformers and whatnot. Um, it's uh, it, it's really really innovatively designed. Gridman is kind of an Ultraman type figure, and then of course you got Kaiju in this, and you know they're they're coming into the Earth, and so you know uh, Gridman, who is kind of like a Transformer crossed with the uh, Ultraman. Um, he's got to, you know, fight them all back. So it's all the best of all things Japanese genre, and it's really, really a fascinating show. Uh, great characters, really well written, not overly dense in terms of the world. And man, this set is beautiful. It comes with a 150-page uh, book and interviews, and there's like a keychain thing in here, and there are cards. I mean, for an anime nerd, that this thing, SSSS Gridman, is just incredibly cool. Um, then we have also got a uh, fruits basket season one part two. Uh, this is probably strictly for fans. This is kind of a um, a, a a teenager coming of age thing, which you know, there's a lot of that in anime, and it's I, I didn't find it overly enthralling, but I'm sure somebody will go completely nuts for it. And it's got a whole bunch of other junk in it too. It's got like the it's it, it's got collectible cards, and it's got you know the like a little toy tiger, rabbit, and dragon, which is a thing I won't get into. There's, it, it will make no sense if I try to explain it on the spur of the moment. Um, uh, it's you know, it, it, it's it's one of those weird things. You never notice an anime like there's this weird connection between the human and the animal world. Oh yeah, there are gets, always these sort of uh, de demons and all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's it's like it's like it's Pokemon esque, but not really. Anyway, um, and then we also got a thing called. Uh, Isekai Quartet. That's the first season. Um, this is okay. It's uh, you know it, it's it, it's 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 related to other shows, I guess. And uh, it's kind of a it's super excuse super super young. Like it's you know the bigger the heads and the bigger the eyes, the the younger the audience is for it. Um, but the uh, apparently this is some kind of a parody, and it. Parodies like ReZero and Overlord and all these other these other shows, and I didn't really understand it. So it's it's kind of weird. If you understand what that is, I, I my hat goes off to you. Um, we got Kingdom the movie that's live action. Mm. That's uh, that's that's cool. This is uh, you know they've been doing a lot of this in in anime, and this is uh, all very kind of uh, uh, Japanese feudal swordplay stuff. Um, really, really well done. Uh, the story isn't that particularly great. It's a little bit convoluted, but boy, I'll tell you the swordplay stuff, the, the action, it's, it's right up there with, uh, with what you get in Hong Kong stuff and some of the best of, you know, Japanese movies haven't done a lot of that for the better part of the last decade plus. So this is getting back kind of into the late nineties, early two thousands of the things that they used to do. Pretty cool stuff. 
Uh, then we got Radiant Season 1 Part 2. This is a nice set. Uh, I, I have not uh, overly followed Radiant, so uh, it's a little bit... I think we may have reviewed Season 1 Part 1. It seems familiar. I seem. I, I feel like I've been here before and equally confused. Um, it is based on a French comic, believe it or not, not not a manga, but a or a manga. It's based on a French comic, and so you have a, a weird kind of Japanese interpolation of French comic sensibilities in the in anime. So it's like anime fusion. But um, it comes with you know this is it, this it's an okay thing. It's like a you know it's more Joseph Campbell kind of stuff. It's a uh, it's coming of age teens, and it's a it's a little bit, um, um, you know, like it's he's a kid with horns. So you know, <laughs> it's the animal human thing again, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but but you know, it's a little bit of the hero's journey, and uh, it's all right. Uh, it, it comes with an eighty page book and a couple of keychains and art cards. I don't know what's up with the keychains and the cards. It's all very very strange. Um, and then we have uh, that time I got reincarnated as a slime, season one. The uh, this is season one part two, and uh, totally weird. Um, it's it, 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 it's a mythical world, and it's a little bit weird, and it it has its own rules and its own creatures, and the whole slime thing. It's all very very uh, LSD. I've got to be honest. It's it, you know, it's just there's just way too much weirdness going on here. Um, and apparently, when you buy this directly from Funimation.com, you can get a free stress ball. I don't know what the reasoning is behind that, but it's a thing. And then a bunch of cute girls in uh, in really frilly dresses in uh, Love Live School Idol Project Sunshine, the School Idol movie Over the Rainbow. That's the complete title. That is the complete title. Love Live, School Idol Project, Sunshine, the School Idol movie over the rainbow. It's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, there. It, it's this is like Josie and the Pussycats uh, anime style. I don't, you know, they're, it, it, whatever. It, I hope they have fun on their, their summer vacation, these girls. A um, few other ones here real quickly from, uh, let's see, Sente. Well, this is all from Section 23, who distributes a lot of different libraries. They distribute Sente. Uh, release the Spice, S-P-Y-C-E, the complete collection, 12 episodes on two discs. Lots of action-oriented girls kicking butt, being kind of girl superheroes to, uh, you know, in, in, in a mystical, magical, kind of futuristic, uh, uh, semi-feudal world. Um a lot of good action there. Don't try to make sense of it. Um, a little bit more drama in Maria Watches Over Us. This is from Made in Japan. This is four seasons on eight discs. Uh, this all takes place in a girls' academy. It's uh, it's strictly, you know, girl coming-of-age stuff. The rest of these are all from the uh, Sente line. I'll go through this real quickly. Mysteria Friends. More people with horns, Tim. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Uh, Mysteria Friends is kind of Harry Potterish thing. It's all drama takes place at the Mysteria Academy, where there are humans, gods, and demons who all go to school together. And uh, otherwise, it's just pretty much straightforward school stuff. But eh, it's fun. There's some nice animation and some cute ideas. And you know, you got uh, princesses um, having you know um, relationships with dragons and whatnot. So you know, it's a it's a thing. It's an anime thing. 
Uh, Grimm's Notes, the animation complete collection, Sente. Uh, this is also a, uh, um, uh, this is an interesting concept where you, it's a mystical world where everybody is, comes into the world with a, with a predestined life that is written down in a book, which is an interesting idea. And then, um, there, there are, there are some interesting things where free will factors into this, blank pages, and, you know, so it's the idea, it, it sort of literalizes the metaphor so that it becomes a stronger metaphor. It's very interesting. Interesting idea. Um, so that's, that's the thing. We got relationships. Teen relationships in high school is just, uh, it's all, it's all the rage in uh, Japan. You know what chunabyo, we've talked about love chunabyo and other delusions is, just as a reminder, chunabyo is the idea that you live in your own fantasy world. So this is all about a girl, a guy coming out of his chunabyo and a girl who, you know, lives in her own chunabyo where he's, He's her soulmate, and it's otherwise just, you know, girls in little skirts and guys and having relationships in high school. Uh, that's kind of the same thing with uh, the complete collection of Real Girl, which is all about this uh, kind of nerdy boy and this really promiscuous bad girl who wind up falling in love. I guess it's every nerdy Japanese guy's fantasy. It's okay. Mm. Food Wars, the third plate. Uh, somehow this series keeps getting, this is 24 episodes. I don't know how they keep getting 24 episodes out of what is basically, uh, <laughs> the Iron Chef ele elevated to the level of soap opera, but they do. It's just absolutely crazy. And then here's the one that I think everybody should take a look at, even if you don't really care for anime. Space Brothers number zero. So Space Brothers is a, is a very successful anime series. This is four years earlier. And it gets into the drama between these two brothers. One wants to go to the moon, the other wants to go to Mars, and then all of these family things intervene. Um, actually, a really, really interesting prequel movie to the uh, the series. I almost think it's better than the series. So that's it for the anime. Um, and now we're going to get into some new movies. Tim, did you see? Oh, did you see? Good, look, it, uh, the Charlie's Angels film that oh came out gosh. in 2019. Yep. I, I must be the only film critic on the planet who actually liked that movie. Uh, but I did like that movie. It's a lot of fun. I mostly liked it because of Miss Stewart, uh, who is just an absolutely fantastic actress who throws herself yep. at every role she's in, no matter how serious. She played Gene Seberg a little bit earlier. Yes, she um, did. Uh, Elizabeth Banks directed this. First Charlie's Angels directed by a woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Elizabeth Banks uh, uh, knocked off the movie. She's in the movies, too. So here, here we have this very interesting sort of take on Charlie's Angels. So this is a, I guess you might call it a sequel to the early 2000s Charlie's Angels, right? Yeah. What I like about this movie is that it accounts for the entire lineage of Charlie's Angels. Uh, including the, 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 those, that, those that 1970s television series yeah. of ours, right? All of these people and all of the Charlie's Angels are people who exist in the history of the dynasty of Charlie's Angels. That's a concept that I kind of dig. You know, it's a touchstone back to that. Yeah. Now, coming out of that box on that table in this Charlie's Angels is the voice of John Forsythe as Charlie. How and I'm I'm watching this movie. I'm thinking, I said, well, wait a minute. That's that's the yeah. same Charlie guy. He was he was 75, 40 years ago. There's a reason why that's the voice of John Forsythe coming out of that box. This movie accounts for little things like that. Now, after all of that, it's just this raucous, kick-ass movie where these badass chicks uh, just go to town on every boy that they come across. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's pretty much all that's happening in the movie. Yeah. And there's a story, and it includes uh, Patrick Stewart, um, who is a Bosley. Patrick Stewart is a Bosley, 
There are lots of Bosleys, yes. as it turns out. Interesting little notions that they put together to make this movie. I had a lot of hopping, hooting fun with it. Other people sort of like poked at it, but I thought it was kind of cool. Um, uh, and I recommend you go check it out. Uh, wait, are there any special features on the there, DVD? There Los Angeles? are. There sure are. There are deleted and extended scenes. There's a gag reel. Uh, and there's a music video with uh, of the song with Ariana Grande and Miley Cyrus and Lana Del Rey. And um, uh, just featurettes. So, you know, it's it's pretty standard stuff. There is a 4K, which they did not send to us. So we are only talking about the Blu-ray. But, yeah, there it is. Um, mm, interesting you, stuff. So uh, I want to talk for a second about Jumanji, the next level. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I, I was one of those. I, I am I am right nine, about 90% of the time. When they announce a new movie, uh, just my gut says, that's going to suck. Or, oh, that sounds really good. And nine out of ten times, I'm right. So uh, Jumanji is one of those where I was wrong. Because when I heard them, <laughs> I seriously, you know, I love the original Robin Williams Jumanji. I thought, you know, it, it was just, it was really, really fun. Um, it, it just had a, it had a great vibe to it. And, and I couldn't imagine how they would reboot that. And with this cast, I thought, oh, now you're really reaching, you know. I, I I don't I don't understand how this is going to work. But, you know, God love you, Dwayne Johnson. But you know, put Dwayne Johnson, Jack Black, and Kevin Hart in a movie; I, those guys are going to compete against each other. I don't I don't see how they how they share the screen weight. You know, Karen Gillan, uh, she's just there to kind of you know she's the she's the, the 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 token female, right? That was my my gut. I was so wrong. It it that first Jumanji was so much fun, and you know yeah. what? This one is is pretty much in the same ballpark. It's just oh, really fun. This movie was so goofy to me, and it did this thing, and I feel, and I, and I found out what a what, what a flaming hypocrite I am. This yeah. is this is this is how this is how I'm a, Tim is a hypocrite. So I'm watching this movie, and uh, you got uh, the, these people who are switching bodies and whatnot, right? And you have this moment where you end up with uh, Jack Black uh, doing Kevin Hart, yeah. right? So so the Kevin Hart character is in Jack Black's bias yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, so you right. got Jack Black, who in the previous movie had been this sort of like valley girl. He was inhabited by the yeah. by the body of the little valley girl. Yeah. So you had Jack Black walking around that movie doing this valley girl thing. It was absolutely hysterical. I loved it, right? I, Didn't have any I, problem with that. That's I, me, right? Yep. Now in this movie, Kevin Hart ends up in Jack Black's party. So Jack Black is more or less walking around doing this brother. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I'm, I'm watching this movie. It's hysterical. It's so fucking funny. And then I'm thinking to myself, hey, wait a minute. I yeah. don't know if I'm okay with that white dude doing that. <laughs> I had no problem at all with Jack Black doing that Valley Girl. And then somehow, I mean, we know how, yeah. Danny DeVito ends up in Dwayne Johnson's body. So yeah. Danny DeVito is the little Jewish, nebbish, nebbishy Jewish father yeah. of the kid of the, uh, the uh, you know, of the kid from the from the from the, from the other movie it's who fantastic. gets lost in Jumanji. So now, now you got Dwayne Johnson doing this expert imitation of Danny DeVito doing a little nebbish. Yeah, what? Yeah. What? Can I hear you? And it's hysterical. It's and funny. I thought to myself, I am just the biggest hypocrite in the world. <laughs> I just, I really need to get a hell over myself. Well, I really do. This is, you know, look, Jake Kazan uh, co-wrote this and directed it. Uh, Scott Rosenberg uh, also co-wrote it. These guys, they know what they're doing. These are these are no slouches. And it is really fun. And I, and I, I envy the actors because you can tell how much they enjoy being able to just pretend to be all these different characters. I mean, they really do get to stretch in 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 ways. It's not like, oh, we did Jumanji before, we're going to come back and do the same character. No, it's like a whole new movie. 
Oh yeah, from yeah, for the yeah, actors. Yeah, everybody's doing it. Everybody, Danny DeVito, not Danny DeVito, uh, Danny Glover yeah, uh, in the movie, also hysterical. Uh, I, I must admit. So, I, so to me, this movie just as much fun as the first remake. So you got yeah. two. I agree. Uh, who who the thunk you could get two two out of the Jumanji franchise? Totally true. Yeah. Now what are you gonna do? There they are. Um, I got this one called Come to Daddy. So uh, this is Elijah Wood in a fairly interesting, odd little sort of Irish Canadian uh, movie. It calls itself a sort of comedy horror thriller, but it's not really. It's just a um, no horror in the movie at all. It's definitely a thriller. Um, it has way more in common with something like, oh, I don't know, a sexy beast or even go back to like a Joe Losey film like The Servant or something like that. Oh, nice. sort of an extremely uncomfortable sort of thing going on. We have this young man. He's been having some issues. He's an alcoholic and having some problems. And he ends up getting a, uh, a note from his estranged father who lives out in the middle of the woods in this cabin. So he figures, what the hell, I'll go out there and hang out with my dad. Maybe I can connect with my dad. And he goes out there. And his father is this really weird dude who drinks a lot, and it's extremely inappropriate. And the movie gets very, very, very uncomfortable real quick, and it gets ridiculously violent. (laughs) (laughs) But it all sort of comes together and works when you figure out what's going on. I mean, it really has a sort of peck and paw kind of vibe to it. I dug the hell out of it. Any special features coming coming on that DVD, man? None whatsoever. There's actually ah, nothing on here. There's a digital copy, and that's it. Now, I, you know what? It is uh, it is it is a weird film. We talked about the uh, the Richard Stanley, uh, Nick Cage thing. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's some common DNA here. I got to be honest. I think there's some common DNA with those two films. It, it doesn't go that far off the edge, but uh, it, it goes. Uh, yeah, that weird color space. What the hell that movie was? Yeah. Uh, from a couple of years ago, um, uh, this movie called called Bennett's War. This is an interesting sort of thing. I, I enjoyed this movie. I rather I rather like this movie. It's about a, a soldier who survives a sort of IED explosion overseas and comes back home and is trying to put his life back together. And his legs are broken, his back is broken, and and he sort of sort of decides to start trying to do cross uh, uh, motocross, you know, because motocross requires, requires a lot of physical strength. So it's a way to sort of retrain his body. Uh, and he gets involved with some interesting people. And he rebuilds his life. So I like this movie. It's a perfectly I like legit it too. little, little PG-13 walk, walk the road movie. Now, I read some comments that came along with this movie that sort of disturbed me a little bit. I don't, I don't really know where those comments were coming from. I don't, I'm not even sure I want to pass them along. But, but, but if you if you just look at this movie straightforward for what it is, that's all it is. Yeah. It's just a movie about a soldier who gets hurt in war and comes home and tries to figure out a way to get himself back, uh, you know, to being the guy that he was before. And, and that's all. Uh, yeah, and uh, the, the nasty little marks in the comments box. I don't need those. Anything come with that man? Any? It's a title no, movie. No, there's minutes. there is nothing on it. But you know, I'll tell you what I like about this movie. I like Trace Adkins. Yeah, Trace uh, is in. Yeah. Trace Adkins is in it. Uh, plays the dad. And uh, you know, here's the thing about Trace Adkins. Trace Adkins has one of those voices that you just absolutely love. It, it's it's just it's one of those deep, resonant country voices, and it just puts you at ease. There's something authoritative about it. It's it's uh, it's like uh, you know. I mean, who else? Who else has one of those voices? Oh, Sam. Uh, Which Sam? Sam. Sam. Uh, oh, Sam. Uh, the the cowboy, cowboy Sam yeah, mustache. Cowboy, Sam. Yeah, cowboy Sam. I almost said Warston, but not him. Yeah. So uh, um, uh, the other Sam. I- and so I was going to move on to Hidden Life, uh, which was in the mix for award season last year. Got great reviews coming out of Cannes, and then just disappeared during our award season voting. Yeah, Terrence Malick. Malick. Yeah. Now, why do you think that is? What did you think of the film, and why do you think it just kind of vanished during award season? 
I, 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 I know why it vanished during the award season. The, the, the talk about the film was this is uh, more Terrence Malick doing what Terrence Malick does. I don't, I don't understand why that's a critic. What, what, you know, I mean, they, they, but the, they said it like it was a bad thing. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like what, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Yes, it is. Very much uh, in the mode of a Terrence Malick film. Now, it's about an actual uh, historical figure. So Terrence is, is, you know, sort of wrapped by the events that actually happened. It has to do with this uh, conscientious ob- objective we refused to fight for. The Nazis during the war. Uh, he's an Austrian named uh, Franz. How do you say his last name, Wade? Oh boy, Jagerstein. Uh, I'm, like I'm gonna, uh, yeah, something. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna be able to pronounce it correctly. I didn't even pay attention to it in the movie, but yeah. And, and, he, and he really, and he, he's a very, it's a very interesting historical figure during this historical period. I found it absolutely captivating. It is most certainly captured cinematically in the style of Terrence Malick films. Yeah. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing, and I don't understand why when folks were saying it, they were saying it like it was a bad thing. I, I agree. No, I think I think it's a really, really strong film. I think it's a little too long, and that's not something I usually say about Terrence Malick movies. Like, when I hear that Terrence Malick just recut his two-and-a-half-hour movie to be three hours, I'm the guy that jumps up and down on my bed, you know, like it's Christmas morning. Uh so, but you and I, at one point, we, we, we went and saw like three or four Terrence Malick movies in a row, starting with the uh, Tree of Life Tree and of Life. Night of Cups. And we, I remember, you know, we were hitting all those same screenings and I loved all of those. I even loved the one at the, you know, the, the, uh, at, uh, South by Southwest that he shot in Austin with, uh, Ryan Gosling. I even enjoyed that one, which everybody else hated, but, that would um, me a little bit, but that's okay. You know, this is beautiful. If it were, if, if this had been, I think, just 20 minutes shorter, it would have been a better film and it would have been really in the awards mix. But I think it's, it's repetitive in places where it just may have lost a few people. But it is a powerful story and it's a worthwhile film to see. Um, it's, uh, it is unfortunately, uh, and this is, it's nearly three hours long. You know, if it were about two and a half, I think that'd be kind of a sweet spot. It's got a digital code for uh, movies any- anywhere, and that's all it's got. Unfortunately, it's really got not much else. I've not much room on the on the disc for anything else. But um, you can at least add it to movies anywhere, which is which is nice. Richard, it, it seemed like the studio kind of just let it float out there too. It, yeah, it sort of. You know, it seemed like they caved in to, to the sort of critical um, uh, voices uh, that sort of teamed up against the movie rather than pushing it out there anyway. So that was kind of disappointing by me anyway. Richard. Um, Jewell. Richard Jewell, Tim. Yeah, what, 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 Richard Jewell. Now, there, you know, again, Clint Eastwood film, um, uh, which, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, this past awards season, everyone was talking about Richard Jewell and, yeah. uh, and, and perhaps another. But it, was, it, it became fairly clear fairly early on that certainly the film itself and Clint we're not going to be getting a whole lot of love. Now, yeah. uh, uh, Sam Rockwell, Rockwell and Kathy Bates did get some recognition for some extraordinary performances yeah. in, in the movie. And Sam Rockwell is so Walter good. Hauser, who played Richard Jewell in the movie, was also quite good. Oh, he's amazing. Um, so, yeah, he's you know, amazing. so in terms of these performances, we had some real... Now, there's some issues with this movie, things to do with the way Clint told that story, things to do with uh, uh, things that he said and intimated that historical characters did. That he had no way. The of, Olivia of Wilde character yeah. in particular, and, yeah. And I don't even know if I want to put it out there, you know, what it is. Eh, so, it's not really um, so, so, so I think that that might have had something to do, uh, with this movie, but performances, storytelling, yes, you no, know, this is a perfectly well told story about Richard Jewell, who's a historical character, the Atlanta Olympics. Yeah. Uh, was that 98, 98? Was that 98? Uh, yeah, I think it was. 
something like that. Yeah. Uh, you, you found a bomb. Uh, you, you, you incredibly saved some 96, people's lives. 96. 96. 96. 96. Yeah. Incredibly saved some people's lives and then was uh, excoriated by the FBI and the press and all kinds of things happened. Um, so, you know, um, but, you know, Clint did do that thing in this movie. And he I got to tell you, I take exception to, to what he did in this movie. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's a screenwriting choice. And, I, I'm, you know, he could have objected to it and asked that it be rewritten. But, but nonetheless, it is a polished film. I think ultimately the reason it didn't quite fly is because there's only so much dramatic mileage you can get out of the idea of a guy who's wrongly accused. And it's, I think, I I don't think the stakes are high enough for the drama to really, really take flight. But that said, it's it's a super polished movie. And man, Hauser is really good. If you ever saw the real Richard Jewell on any of those talk shows, spit an image. Absolutely spit an image. Yeah. Uh, the grudge. Yeah, interesting, Richard Jewell. I mean, because you know, we think about. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I, did I cut you off? Oh no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Finish I was going to say interesting thing about Richard Jewell, the actual Richard Jewell. Yeah. Richard had an interesting life after all of this. Yeah. Uh, Richard had a television show. He was on Saturday Night Live. I mean, you would yeah. think that you know he was destroyed by all of this. No, it was kind yeah. of the opposite. He had a nice little run, and he ultimately achieved his life goal of becoming a police officer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, so, he, you know, he died. He, he died Richard young. He died young. He had health problems. Well, but, yeah, I but mean, the guy weighed 400 pounds. Yeah, but, but, uh, but yeah. Um, so I was going to say The Grudge. You know, we have another remake of The Grudge. They're trying to reboot The Grudge, the untold chapter. There's no untold chapter of The Grudge. Stop it. <laughs> it's the same thing that we've seen 50 times. Uh, you're just trying to get more mileage out of the same old uh, tired idea, and it's not very interesting. The, the, the Japanese original remains the best. The American remake is okay. This is totally unnecessary, but it's got 40 minutes of special features, including an alternate ending. Get out of there, an alternate ending. It's the grudge. Come on, stop it. They all, stop they it. all end the same. They all end the same. Gosh darn it, seriously. I mean, it's the grudge. What kind of, you know, who's, who at this point is going to go, gee, I wonder how this grudge ends. Come on, stop it. Just be normal. Um, Intrigo, Death of an Author, with uh, Ben Kingsley and Benno Furman. I really love Benno Furman. I think he's a great, great actor. Um, ben Kingsley will literally do absolutely anything these days. It's very, very strange. Uh, but this is based on a, a novel by um, a Scandinavian author named Hokon Nesser, uh, of whom I have never heard. And uh, it's, it's, about a, it's a, basically about somebody trying to stage the perfect murder. And um, with a few interesting little thrillery twists in there, at which point you begin to realize that this is just trying to fold vertigo back on itself one or two <laughs> or three times too often. Um, but, uh, you know, somehow Ben Kingsley and, and his uh, his older age goatee just have such a sinister quality to them that uh, sometimes the goatee is doing more acting than Ben Kingsley these days. Yeah, you? yeah, that happens occasionally. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, this movie called Abigail, sort of Russian-English film, yes. this fantasy thing, I really, really dug this film. At, at the end of the day, it's a film about a girl looking for a father, but it, 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 it's put into this sort of um, interesting context. So you know, there's this small town where years ago there was this mysterious disease that's you know, supposedly white. Wiped out everybody. Her father was one of the ones who was taken sick and had to be uh, taken taken away. Uh, but she goes back and decides she's going to go look for her dad. And what she finds out is that there is a lot of magic in that yeah. town where those people come from. I love these kind of movies, and I love any anything that has a girl looking for her daddy, uh, or 
or daddy looking for his daughter or that kind of stuff. It just works for me. This one's really, really good. Plus, wicked ass. The dude, the Russians in their special effects, Eddie Marson in the movie, too, I know. by the way. The, 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 the Russians in their special effects, they always just seem to be slightly ahead of the curve. Right? Uh, with that stuff. I don't know yeah. what that is, but they just always are. I don't know what it is, too. It's cold. They spend a lot of time indoors. Um, in fact, that's what, you know, they, they, just to diverge for a second, the, it's funny because everybody's talking about why does Russia have so few coronavirus, you know, things? Well, uh, they're not testing or Putin's behind. No, let me tell you something. I don't know. I don't know about the testing. I don't know how many, you know, if they're lying or if they don't really have them or if they figured it out or Putin is a magician and got out in front of it. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But I will tell you this, that the concept of social distancing, if you say that to a Russian, <laughs> Their answer will be, so, in other words, winter. Because, <laughs> you know, like, they just don't go out. It's yes, they cold. don't even go near each other when they're in. They don't, they, uh, they don't, no. Why? Why do that? It's they cold. get drunk and stay the hell away from each <laughs> it's other. Just, it's something to do with the vodka. Would you, wouldn't that be funny if it turned out that vodka actually killed the coronavirus? <laughs> I would love that. Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> that would so, be for me. Though. We are giving away four Abigails. So you're all clustered up at home. Hey, hit us at gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com with Abigail in the subject line and your name and e uh, mailing address in the body. And uh, four lucky people will uh, be randomly chosen uh, to receive a copy of Abigail. Please get us the uh, get it to us by April 1st, by April Fools. And uh, on April 1st, we will pick four people at random and uh, we'll let you know that day. We got nothing else to do. There won't be a delay. Sometimes there's a delay in letting people know about a day or two, but uh, no delay this time. If we if we pick you on April first, uh, if we get it, you know, by the end of, of March, make sure it's dated uh, no later than March thirty first. On April first, we will uh, we'll pick a lucky person and four lucky people and send you a copy of Abigail on Blu-ray uh, from Wellgo. And uh, what a what a what a fun concept it is. I'm gonna hit a, hit a few four Ks here real quickly. Okay, okay. Um, uh, not a ton of 4Ks this week, but the, uh, the, the obvious one that's a big deal is 1917, which for, oh, about, yeah. a, which for about a minute and a half was, uh, well, more longer than that, about five minutes, was considered the odds-on frontrunner and the inevitable winner of Best Picture because it, it won the DGA and the PGA awards, overlooking the fact that Parasite won the actors and the writers who have more sway than producers and directors. Mm-hmm. Um, there, well, there are literally more of them. A lot more of them, but you know what? 1917 is a uh, is a is a good film, and Sam Mendes, who's not been you know in the Oscar mix for 20 years, man. American American, what American Beauty, maybe American Beauty. That was it, and he he came on with a that was like a, a gangbusters with American Beauty and won everything, and then he just kind of disappeared, and you know wound up making a few James Bond movies, and now he's back. Uh, and 1917 is based on a family story that was handed on to him. And uh, it is a very, very good film. Uh, the only thing is it's the gimmick, the, the, the continuous camera shot gimmick. It's, it's not a continuous shot. It's stitched together. It's an illusion. Yeah. I don't know why they felt they needed to do it. I didn't think that it, it really was essential to the storytelling. It's good in pieces, I think, and you can, you can tell me what you think of it. Uh, I don't think we've really talked too much about it. I think the continuous camera work in individual scenes 
lets the actors really evolve a performance that otherwise might not happen if it was all chopped up. But I don't think the individual scenes needed to sort of have the illusion of one camera shot moving between them. Nonetheless, you know, the story of these two guys on a mission to save an entire um, battalion's lives with a message during uh, during World War One is is really sharp, and it's the first World War One story to really have a, a a go at Best Picture since Lawrence of Arabia in 1962. So, uh, Best Cinematography, you know, Roger Deakins won his uh, his second Academy Award for this. It really is gorgeous, and in 4K, it's just absolutely superb. I think it looks better in 4K than it was when I saw it projected, and I'll tell you why. Because I saw it projected in 2K. Most projection is 2K. Deakins photography. I hate to say it, comes through better in the home environment than in the theater. In mm. this case, at least. It is it is really, really sensational. So uh, despite the continuous camera shot thing, uh, everything else about it is really, really impressive. It's got um, a bunch of uh, featurettes on it, one, one about the score, which is also very, very good, and uh, a little bit of historical backdrop, backdrop as well. So 1917, terrific. Tim, any thoughts on 1917? Well, I can tell you, it, it, it's so well done in terms of performances. Uh, yeah, you just and, and every now and again, a, a very familiar face will pop up—a Mark Strong or, or just somebody yeah. like that. And it's, but it's so well done in terms of its two main leads, who we are mostly with. That that gimmick, for lack of a better word, didn't bug me. Yeah. I can promise you that gimmick would have bugged me if 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 the film itself hadn't been so strong just in terms of performances and the in the way it's sort of laid out. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it, it's a funny thing. I mean, you know, if, if I'm a producer of this film uh, and they and they and they, and they and they tell me they want to do it this way, I would have been I would have been the voice in the room against it. I, I agree. Uh, I would have been saying, "No, guys, this this is a strong movie. Let's just make the movie." And that was in, uh, that was in know, the script so much, too. So, so much for what I think. That was in the uh, script too. But... The, apparently, reading the script, the, one of the early indication, one of the early uh, uh, stage direction bits in the script is this whole movie will be shot as if it's one camera move, which is weird to put in a script. But um, there it was. Well, you know, I, I, look at it, it, the vision in somebody's head, and, and whatever. I, I imagine they're all happy about it. Um, uh, uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. Turtles. Yeah, Ninja Turtles. I, I got to tell you, I thoroughly love this feature length animation, dude. Yeah, uh, which is just a wicked ass concept. It's, which I don't know, how do you get all these people together? You got I, Warner Brothers, you got DC, dude. Uh, you got I, uh, yeah. I mean, it's pretty it's like everybody. But this uh, is these yeah. are this is the new take on the on the turtles, right? Like the turtles. In, in our original generation were kind of cute and muscular and wise cracky. And the turtles, as of like about two years ago, they sort of rebooted them as tough and badass. Like, yeah, super, you know, superheroes like all the other. Superheroes. Yeah. They're like, they're muscular and they've got, you know, they, 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 they're, they're very Marvel, right? They have that Jack Kirby attitude, um, like thing in the fantastic four. They're like four different versions of thing. And um, I think that lends itself to merging with Batman. It's this seems like like what they used to do. Remember the um, the Scooby Doo's? Well, they oh, yeah. do it all the time now. But when when it was Scooby Doo teaming up with Abbott and Costello and teaming up with the Harlem <laughs> Globetrotters, <laughs> the Three Stooges, and Batman and Robin, it was ridiculous. Every week, it was like, what? What world does this take place? Oh, in? it's fantastic! It's but fantastic. You know, like cool bad guys here. You got Harley Quinn. You got yeah. Shredder from out, out of the, the the Mutant Turtles universe. You got looks... Rob Ghoul out of out of the. DC out of the Batman universe, so you got you know so you got a lot of familiar characters and Batgirl. from all of these different universes. And Batgirl, 
And Batgirl. Yeah. yeah. And Batgirl. So and, I and, thoroughly enjoyed that. Anything on that, by the way? Uh, you know what? There, there's a, there's a, a, just featurette stuff, basically, and then a, uh, sneak preview of Batman Hush, which looks pretty good as well. But, uh, the, the, uh, the animation is sensational. It's really sensational. And it is also sensational and, and 4K is done beautifully for Spies in Disguise. Which I didn't particularly like as a movie, but I like Will Smith and Tom Holland doing the voice work. Um, oddly enough, Tom Holland's character here is animated almost exactly the same as it is in uh, in that new Pixar film. Yeah, and 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 uh, I'm like, this feels oddly crossover somehow. But uh, you know what? I mean, it's uh, this is from the uh, the same team, the same animation team that did uh, Ice Age and Rio. And uh, Will Smith is very cool as kind of a James Bondy figure. And, uh, you know, Tom Holland is sort of his nerdy science sidekick. It's like he teamed up with a young Q uh, sort of the way to do it. I, I, I thought it was, you know, relatively fun. But uh, the actors seem to be having so much fun that you just you just sort of sign on for it. Yeah, I, look, it was okay. Like Ben Mendelsohn, uh, uh, the bad guy voice, yeah. uh, you know, thoroughly loved him, uh, and a few other folks you might not expect, Mark Ronson and, and, and yeah. whatnot. I, I, it was an okay movie. I, I, I was hoping for something a little sharper, a little bit better, but that's okay. It's, yeah. That's got to be packed full of all kinds. That, of you know, it's got uh, it's got a uh, uh, obviously all the 4K stuff, and you know the HDR is just fantastic. But as far as regular extras, the uh, those are only on the Blu-ray, and there's a thing called Super Secret Spy mode which is a bit of a gimmick not really that interesting it's got gallery stuff and featurettes and some music videos um fair amount of stuff nothing really deep nothing really you know rich uh and and you know it, it doesn't really get in, in depth into anything um i got a few uh no, i'm gonna skip the i'm gonna skip the indie stuff let's let's talk about some of the docs people okay. people might really get into some docs while they're sitting around all cooped up so uh, I want to talk about first May fifteenth in Paris, which is a Blu-ray from Barbara Dufina, the um, uh, producer of many Martin Scorsese things. This is a Blu-ray of a ten-minute-long movie. I know you're thinking, why the hell am I going to get a Blu-ray of a movie that's ten minutes long? That doesn't make any sense. Why don't I just watch it on on YouTube or something? You know what? Just get it so you have it, so you, you so you can watch it because it's really really good. It's a really good ten-minute Blu-ray. Um, it is. Uh, it, it essentially tells the story of May fifteenth in eighteen forty eight, mm. which is when the uh, the first French the, the the first real French Republic was came to be. When people just got fed up, they you know they'd had the revolution like uh, you know sixty some odd years earlier, seventy some odd years earlier, and they want to finally have a democracy. They finally want to vote, and that's how long it took in France. Believe it or not, it took until eighteen forty eight. And um, the the what transpired at that time uh, in overthrowing uh, Napoleon is really really fascinating, and uh, it, it's 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 you know it's worth the ten minute watch. It really is. It's an excellent ten minute film. Um, the others here. Let's see. Cunningham. Oh, Cunningham, dude. Yeah. I got to tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed this it's film. It's great. Right? About 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 Merce Cunningham, of yeah. course. Uh, and uh, not because not only does the film sort of cover uh, his life and his work, which is really, really extremely sort of complicated and 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 um, and uh, uh, over several different movements of his life, it it explores his work with several other extremely famous people, including John Cage, his partner, Robert Rauschenberg, uh, and and sort of explores what he was doing when. It's really just a wonderful story, uh, a wonderful documentary, uh, full of absolutely fabulous footage of 
various different productions of his dances over the course of many years. And sometimes what they show is how he would change those dances, those performances, depending on when we are uh, in his life. So it's, a, it's just a, three decades of uh, uh, Merce Cunningham's work from about 1942 up to about 1972. It's Fantastic. really good. It is really good. Got two on the Dalai Lama here. Um, who uh, who has not been heard from in in the coronavirus thing, but I'm sure he'll have something to say at some point. Uh, one is the it's a it, Philip Glass. These are both from a Live Mind distributed by Kino. Uh, the first is the Last Dalai Lama question mark has a score uh, by Philip Glass and a a Buddhist Lama. They work together on it. And um, it's uh, uh, it's a little bit of a sensational title, uh, but it does sort of address whether or not the Dalai Lama living in exile will have a successor, which is an mm. interesting question. You know, there's a certain procedure and thing that goes for, for selecting the Dalai Lama. And can that happen? And for that matter, who selects the Dalai Lama? Because the Chinese government has decided that they're going to select the Dalai Lama. Yeah, that's not going to go over very well. Uh, yeah. they, also, they also, you know, pick uh, Catholic priests. The Pope doesn't get to pick the people who are Catholic priests in China. It's a bit weird. They they really need to reexamine their, uh, you know, nobody's really buying that. Uh, and then uh, Compassion in Exile, the story of the 14th Dalai Lama, is uh, basically his, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, it is his story, but it's not done. It, it's like through, by inter, through interview. Uh, he sort of tells his own story. And interestingly, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff here that didn't make it into either of those movies, the Scorsese-directed Kundun or uh, Seven Years in Tibet with Brad Pitt, which both came out around the same time. There's a lot of new material here. If, if you're really only going on dramatic movies to tell you about the Dalai Lama, you're missing a lot. Really interesting guy. So there are those. Uh, and then there's stuff. Now, this, this stuffed documentary. Uh, I don't know uh, if I like this. <laughs> <laughs> which is about taxidermy. And I don't really have a problem with taxidermy. It's just at a certain point, it gets weird. Yeah, particularly <laughs> when you're as passionate as these people who oh. consider themselves to be artists. Yeah. Uh, and they stuff anything that was once alive, and I suppose one yeah. can call it, is this an art form? I don't know if this is an art form. This film is captivating and interesting, but more uh, because of the freakish, weird people who are in it yeah. uh, than, than the other stuff. That's, well, that's the thing. I, I was surprised, you know, Whenever I think about taxidermy, I always picture some guy in a cabin in Wyoming or North Dakota, you know, like mounting moose heads or something, right? I, it's not something I imagine. There's a taxidermy place here in L.A. Where, which is all women working at it. Uh, what? Yeah. Who's, yeah. Who are your clients? I go to a lot of homes. I don't see, like, bears and, you know, flamingos mounted in the corner. Who? who it I mean, just seems like, a, it seems like a thing, an occupation, yeah. a, a, a hobby of uh, the last century, yeah. if not the century before that. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. This is just, I can't imagine there are a whole bunch of 15-year-olds who are in the taxidermy club. I always think of, I was thinking Arthur, when, when Dudley Moore is meeting uh, his fiance's dad, and he, there's that mounted moose head. And he's trying, <laughs> he says, where's the, other, where's the rest of this moose? Forget about the moose for now. Uh, oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, also a very uh, acclaimed documentary is Lifeline. Uh, Lifeline Clifford Still. That's Clifford spelled C L Y and two F's. This is by a filmmaker named Dennis Scholl. 
And uh, this is basically about an artist. I'm not familiar with Clifford Still. At least I wasn't before watching this. Clifford Still is a very interesting artist. It's I wouldn't. It's in the, it's in the Jackson Pollocky vein of sort of abstract design, and you know he's not painting pictures of things and people. He's sort of creating very impressionistic uh, color schemes and design schemes and shape schemes, and it's it's. Um, and and yet, you know, uh, a really interesting life, a very different life from that of Jackson Pollock, who, as we know from, you know, that movie, uh, mm-hmm. was a pretty conflicted and volatile figure. But uh, this is a good doc. So Lifeline, Clifford Still, C-L-Y-F-F-O-R-D. Good little doc. Good little doc from Kino Lorber. All right, let's uh, jump into some uh, classic stuff. We got we got great criterions this week. Three criterions in particular, uh, classic Hollywood foreign language and then newer hollywood um first off lot we you know we had a we had a whole bunch of classic spike lees from uh criteria from uh, mm. kino a few weeks ago and now criterion has shocked the world and they've given a criterion treatment to bamboozled which i think might be the last spike lee film anybody would have expected to wind up on criterion I find like, it I, fascinating. I tell you, you know, Bamboozled took you know, took a pretty good beat down. I think it was a 1997 film or so. Two thousand, late seventies anyway. Two thousand, uh, uh, late nineties. I'm sorry, yeah. late nineties. Maybe two thousand. It was two thousand. It's right, right. Oh 2000. yeah, so, yeah, a little bit, yeah. a little bit later. And it's a long and, and movie. I gotta tell you, I deeply appreciated that film at the time. I kind of got what Spike was talking about with respect to the media uh, and, and 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 the way the media viewed. Now, a few years later. Dave Chappelle, maybe a decade later, Dave yeah. Chappelle quit the Chappelle show yep. and had that whole sort of thing that he did, you know, I mean, yep. and I thought to myself, this is bamboozled. That whole Dave Chappelle moment, that whole thing of where are you laughing with me or at me that he was going through was the exact narrative of what was going on in that movie, Bamboozled, back in the year 2000, which I I deeply appreciated. I mean, the story is basically uh, Damon Wayans plays a guy who wants to bring back blackface for a TV show. And uh, it is it's it's such an outrageous idea for a movie that you wonder, like, how can Spike even make this work? And yet it <laughs> it, it goes it, it's un, it's unlike almost any of his other movies in the sense oh, yeah. that it, it has an almost Dr. Strangelove kind of sensibility to it. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's, absolutely. It's, I mean, uh, for one thing, you have Damon Wayans doing this absolutely bizarre sort of, uh, what is it, a, a dialect or an accent yeah. or whatever the hell it is yeah. uh, that he's doing. It's very, very particular. Uh, Jada, 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 Jada Pinkett at the time. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, they're all engaged in these sort of almost uh, Eugene Onesco sort of characters yeah. as, as we play out this stuff. Xavion Glover, the wonderful tap dancer. Paul Mooney's uh, in course, it. Great Paul Mooney. And all, cork face and all kinds of issues around race and performance. I'm gonna and I'm gonna recommend too that everybody listen to the commentary on here because there was a oh, commentary recorded in two thousand one with Spike Lee, which is terrific. I mean if there are any questions, he answers them. And uh, it's really, really interesting. There's also a conversation but with uh, film programmer Ashley Clark. Uh, new interviews with Savian Glover and Tommy Davidson and Ruth Carter, who did the costumes. I mean, tons of stuff on here that gets into the meat of what the movie's about. And that's it, it's a movie that's about so much that it yeah. really, really does warrant that, that covering all those bases. Well, fans of, of, of uh, Network, fans of Network. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, if you're a fan of Network, they're kind of sister films. This, you're going to understand what's going on in Bamboozle. They're sister films. They're totally yeah. sister films. 
the then the cranes are flying uh from 1957 is an absolutely unbelievable movie this is a phenomenal film uh made in what was then the soviet union russian film russian director mikhail kalatazov kalatazov um this is the only soviet film that actually won the palm the uh, palm door at the Cannes film festival in 1958 and uh, that's quite a thing because, of course, everybody knows what was going on for artists at the time and there was no artistic freedom and whatnot. Uh, so the fact that this was, uh, this was even made is kind of a miracle. Now, it's not obviously critical of the Soviet regime, but it tells an extraordinary story, which is um, uh, of lovers separated by World War II. And so, uh, obviously, the government, you know, at the time, the Soviet government must have thought, oh, great, it's about, you know, the, the cost of World War II. But it isn't really. It gets into all kinds of other social issues that obviously they use that narrative to mask. It is a beautiful, powerful film, incredibly well photographed. The Cranes Are Flying, really amazing movie. Um, has an audio interview with the director from 1961, a new interview with uh, Ian Christie, who talks about why this is such a landmark in Soviet cinema. Really important to watch that. And then uh, there are, there's a TV uh, program from 2008 and then also a 2009 documentary um, uh, that talks about the, uh, uh, the relationship that Kalatazov had with the Soviet government. And Kalatazov is ethnically Georgian. Uh, mm. So, you know, that, that obviously has more meaning now, now that we're very much aware of, of Georgia. Um, and then from 1945, Criterion's Leave Her to Heaven, a classic uh, golden era. Ooh, uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Swirling, Joe Swirling uh, screenplay. Yes, Joe Swirling screenplay based on a novel by uh, Ben Ames Williams, uh, directed by John Stahl. This is an absolutely sensational film. This is just a... It's basically, it's basically fatal attraction of uh, yeah, the 35 years earlier or something yep, like that. Yep, uh, produced by Daryl Zanuck. Uh, who, of course, had gone on to uh, 20th Century Fox. He had formed 20th Century Pictures and then merged with Fox Film Corporation uh, after leaving Warner Brothers. And uh, it's got, you know, Gene Tierney, Cornell Wilde, Gene Crane, Vincent Price. Great, great cast. Um, but, yeah, it's, this is kind of like the original great femme fatale movie. Gene Tierney just eats it up, man. She just kills it. Uh, she, she's an obsessive wife after she marries this guy and, yeah. and, and she becomes they're very passionate they're in love but she's like really in love oh no no she's like <laughs> she's in love this is like yeah this, this is it's unhinged uh anyway there's a new new interview here with imogen sarah smith a film critic and uh an essay by megan abbott the uh, the novelist uh not much by way of extras but doesn't need to it's a really really good film uh Warner Archive Collection has got three that are also really, really good. The more recent one is Gregory Peck and Eva Marie Saint in The Stalking Moon, mm. which is a, a pretty decent Western. Uh, it's weird to me that this was rated G at the time. This is from 1969, right at the beginning of the rating system. I don't think this would be rated G today. To be uh, honest. No, it, no, it, it's, no. It, you know, uh, Eva Marie Saint was basically, uh, she was captured by the Apaches. And uh, a Greg, half-breed son. Greg, yeah, yeah no, Greg, not rated G. <laughs> Gregory Peck's got to, you know, escort her. Anyway, Alan Pakula, the, uh, who unfortunately passed away, uh, you know, in the prime of his life, but who would go on to do All the President's Men and a lot of other fine movies, um, was the producer of this, and Robert Mulligan of The Miracle Worker and, and many other fine films directed. So you have two really great character figures uh, involved in this. And uh, 
I, I think it's a really powerful Western, but man, it is not G-rated. Uh, it's got all kinds of. Uh, <laughs> this would be this would be a PG thirteen easy. Yeah, what's the John Ford film? Uh, Shades of uh, with the Searchers. Uh, with, the Searchers. Yeah, yeah. The shades of that. You know, I mean, not as good as that, but shades of that. Yeah. Um, and certainly some great uh, performances. That, and Robert Forrester, by the way. Yeah. Uh, in the movie, lost Robert. I don't know about a year ago or something like that. But you know, young Robert Forrester, if you want to see him. All right, Bo, uh, Bo Brummel is an MGM film from 1954. Nice, splashy color. It's got Stuart Granger in the lead. Uh, great supporting performances by Robert Morley. Peter Ustinov is very, very funny. Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, so uh, Bo Brummel is um, is a military guy, and uh, the Prince of Wales, played by Peter Ustinov, is uh, the designer of his regiment's uniform, and there's a disagreement about it. And uh, it winds up bringing these 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 two guys together, and uh, into a very strange, uh, unusual relationship with uh, Elizabeth Taylor as a noblewoman. And I, it, it, this is you know still a decade before Tom Jones, but it has shades of it. It's a period epic, but it's kind of uh, a little bit askew. It's a, it's a very unusual film, directed by Curtis Bernhardt, a director I'm not terribly uh, familiar with. But um, the way that it factors into the history of the royal family is quite interesting. So Bo Brummel, kind of a, a blast from the past there. And then also on Blu-ray uh, with 3D is Kiss Me Kate, which I keep forgetting... Yes. Was a 3D movie originally. Yeah. Um, this is the this has been remastered in Blu-ray 3D, which is still not you know it's not exactly a thing anymore. But they went and did it. And uh, uh, for those who don't know, Howard Keel was not always a soap opera guy. He became that as an older man. He was a musical lead originally. And uh, Kiss Me Kate. Uh, Ooh, it was part of the Turner Library, and then Warner Brothers got hold of it, and uh, it was made in 1953, also just glowingly uh, colorful and whatnot. But basically, Kiss Me, Kate is The Taming of the Shrew done as a musical. That's yeah. it. It's, the, it's Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew done as a big, splashy Hollywood full-color musical. And uh, Howard Keel and Catherine Grayson and Ann Miller and Keenan Wynn and you know James Whitmore, Bobby Van, of all people, is in this thing, <laughs> a young Bobby Van. It's really a lot of fun. Uh, it's, uh, you know, Cole Porter music. It just, uh, it, it's just a whole lot of fun. And uh, George Sidney directed it. And the fact that it's 3D is kind of fun, actually, I have to admit. Wicked, wicked, wicked. All uh, right. I got this one from Arrow. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting to me because this is a 1995 film. And I remember doing the junket for this film. Brendan Fraser, actually Judd, Viggo Morgenstern. So I did yeah. the junket for this film. Yep. You know, back, back in 1995. It, it, it's called uh, The Passion of Darkly. So this is this very weird little movie. Uh, about this guy uh, uh, named Darkly. He's very religious. He's wandering around the middle of the woods. He gets picked up by this other guy and taken uh, to the home of this couple, uh, uh, played by Viggo Morgenstern and Ashley Judd. Uh, and, and, and Viggo Morgenstern is away in the woods, and Ashley Judd, who is a nurse, sort of nurses him back to health. He falls in love with her. Viggo Morgenstern's character comes back. 
And then we, you know, sort of figure out the rest of the movie from there. And I remember this being a really bizarre, weird uh, little movie. And, and, and talking to Vigo, this is 1995, so, you know, this is before these guys really done a whole lot of big stuff. It, it might have been after Encino Man for Brendan Fraser, but it was certainly before Vigo had had his big break. And Ashley Judd had been wandering around uh, doing this and that, but she hadn't done, a, you know, Kiss the Spider or, or any of those big uh, 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 Morgan Freeman adaptations that she did with him. And, and I, I thought this was a pretty neat movie, and, uh, and we had a nice conversation. It, you know, it, interesting. Lauren Dean in the film, uh, Grace Zabriskie in the movie. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those odd sort of films from the 90s that you could probably only make back in the 90s. You could not even make this this movie uh, for streaming video today. Um, uh, the Passion of Darkly, 1995 from Arrow. Very cool. Uh, I want to hit a few TV things real fast here. Warner Archive has done some wonderful TV stuff. We're going we're gonna to start wrapping the show up here in a minute. But two from my childhood and yours, Tim. Yeah. We have from the Warner Archive people the complete Blu-ray collections of the Jetsons and Shazam, the complete live-action series. That's now, so wonderful. I cannot tell you how happy I am to have Shazam on Blu-ray. I love that show. I uh, the idea of just having a having you know being able to say a word and then being turned into a great big strapping dude. Uh, the movie recently was cute, but this is this is a whole different thing because Shazam actually has this whole you know it's a pantheon of gods whose yeah. whose names are represented by the acronym Shazam that that was yeah. invented for the show and uh, traveling around in that RV with that old dude. I just thought it was a cool show every week. Well, Shazam cool was the thing that a boy named Billy Batson said to turn himself into Captain Marvel. Yeah, who can't be called Captain Marvel anymore. Yeah, the because of the, yeah, you could explain what, what the hell happened with the comic well, book. Marvel suit, Marvel suit DC. It's just, it was a nightmare. But I got to tell you, that that just always bugged the hell out of me that, that these ended up as two different uh, two different superheroes, I, I guess. Yeah. And now, of course, Captain Marvel, as we know. Her, yeah, um, uh, is you know nobody has to say Shazam. I know she's just she's just Captain Marvel, uh, and uh, and and Shazam is just some goofy kid uh, who turns into the guy. Now uh, about the Jetsons, this is what blows me away. Did you ever realize there were only twenty four episodes? I don't think so. I, I I would have thought that there were five or six seasons of the Jetsons. If you, if you if you ask me, like the Flintstones went on forever. I mean, there are just a ton of Flintstones episodes, but there are only twenty four episodes of the Jetsons. And, and that's just amazing to me. Uh, but wow, this looks really good in Blu-ray. Warner Brothers did a sensational job here. I mean, it's bait. Look, we all know it's the Flintstones, you know, in in reverse. The Flintstones are Stone Age. Jetsons are in the future. You don't ever see the actual surface of the Earth at any point in the Jetsons. Everything <laughs> no. you, you never do. Everything is is on a is on is suspended up in the air somewhere. I never really understood why. Like, is the Earth just contaminated? Is it is it unwalkable? No, you just fly around in little saucers and go from one suspended building to another. It's hysterical. Yeah, but, landing on those platforms and flying in space. That's it. Packs and all that kind of stuff. That's so amazing. It's a fun show. It's still a really, really fun show. And uh, lots of great extras on here. There's commentary on two episodes by the uh, actress Janet Waldo, who was the voice of Judy Jetson, uh, which is really, really fun. A lot of insight there. And then uh, there's a... I history- had a ridiculous crush on Judy Jetson. <laughs> the animated on the animated team. Isn't that weird? Girl. I did, too. So it, you know what it was? It's the hair. Yeah, it was the it was the hair. It was it was just sexy hair. And then uh, there's oh, some boy. featurettes and uh, tribute to Rosie, the robotic maid. Uh, and then the last few here, um, all this is all DC stuff. So uh, and it's all kind of in the same vein. You got the complete series of uh, Teen Titans. 
They they wrapped all that up in a complete series Blu-ray, which is really nice and tight. It's not my favorite show, but it has a lot of great special features on it, uh, on the making of the show, the voices, um, you know, just the the the, the, the villains and, and whatnot. And it's a, it's a nice tight little uh, little thing. Looks great on Blu-ray. Uh, then uh, connected to that, there is also Young Justice Outsiders season three, which is a little more serious. It's uh, it's a little more grown up. There are four discs here in this season, um, and some interesting storylines here uh, that I mean it, that dovetail with some things that are in the comics in a much more interesting way. You know, Nightwing and Superboy and uh, and and Miss Martian. Uh, Aqualad, you know, so it's a, this is a little bit more of a serious approach to the same concept. And if you want it live action, well, then there's the second season of Titans, yeah. which you know, I got to, I got to tell you, man, I'm starting to like this show. I'm, I'm liking it certainly more than things like Batwoman. Yeah. Um, this is, a, this is not a bad show. This is, this is pretty slick. It's, it's not the, uh, it's not in the same universe as the. It's not part of the Arrowverse per se. But it's uh, I like what they're doing with it. I think it's really interesting. I like the uh, the take on you know Jason Todd's Robin and uh, uh, Beast Boy, and you know there there are some really interesting things that they do here with these young superheroes, and and it's a it's you know it, it's it's going into interesting places. So this is the second season, thirteen episodes, and uh, I uh, I recommend this. This has a one special feature, which is a um, uh, Jason Todd Fate by the Fans. Where it gets into his his DC universe history based on the fan feedback, which I didn't even know was a thing, but that's very interesting. So, with that, uh, Tim, I think we're we're done this week. There's uh, there's a lot of stuff we didn't get to. Um, I'm I'll, I'm gonna try to drill through it, and I'll send you lists and and let you do whatever you can do remotely. We're we're obviously gonna be doing this again next week, yep, yep. and who knows how many more weeks we're gonna do it, but. We're going to be there. We're going to, we're going to do it. So send us emails. Tell us how you're doing. We'd love to hear everybody's uh, uh, coronavirus uh, sequestration stories. And uh, email us at gods at digigods.com or gods at cinegods.com. Any last thoughts, Tim? Well, DVDs more important than ever. That became that. that that's interesting, huh? Yeah. Um, how suddenly a thing that you can put in your deck over there has yeah. become uh, all yeah, yeah, all the rage again. I've been going through the old DVD collection, breaking out stuff I haven't thought about in a long time. So and, there it is. And with the with the uh, the load on the internet, people are asking. Some countries are even asking Netflix to lighten up the bandwidth a little bit because um the the world is all, is 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 all quarantined and everybody is hitting the internet and it's it's you know it's a traffic jam the 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 actual roads have no cars on them but the internet is is all is getting jammed up so those DVDs there you're going to get you're going to get some use out of those so anyway all right everybody have a great time stay safe uh follow the uh, the instructions of your local health authorities that is the most important thing that I think anybody can do. Uh, a lot of people have been improvising, you know, trying to invent their own uh, uh, quarantine rules. Don't do that. Just just do what the, the local authorities ask you to do and, uh, and be a good neighbor. And I will we'll say this, this. I will say this. Uh, it, it, just to make sure we keep it on media. Ventilators. A, big, a lot of talk about ventilators. I, you know, I'm a big fan of MacGyver, as you know, Wade. MacGyver. Yep. Not, yep. not this new MacGyver, this kid. This, <laughs> this, this, <laughs> no, MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. And I just want to point out that uh, at least four episodes per 30 episode season, MacGyver would build a ventilator out of a box of potato chips <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a vacuum cleaner. 
Well, <laughs> just want to point that out. Watch uh, your episodes of MacGyver. Awesome. All right. With that, we are done. We will see you guys next week. Have a good one. <laughs> Seems to me that there are more hearts